Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. And uh, we are here to cover X-Men Annual number 13, which was published in 1989, also on sale of April 25th of that same year with a cover price of two bucks. 64-page count, although we will not be covering all 64 pages. This one's titled, what is this one titled? Double Cross. Yeah, it's uh, it's an annual. It's right smack dab in the middle of Atlantis Attacks. Annuals are my favorite. <laughs> this is a particularly weird one. Uh, this one's not bad, all things considered. Like it, it starts out, well, we'll get to that. Uh, the story so far, freed from his deep space imprisonment, the Deviant, Deviant, Deviant High Priest Gar has returned to Earth to enlist the Lemurian rebel leader Lyra in his plan to rebuild the Sinister Serpent Crown, which will resurrect the god, the Serpent God Set. That's all we really need to know. Yeah. Most of that isn't really that relevant to this annual till the end, sort of. Not even really then. I owned this issue. Uh, I also owned the X-Factor annual that we'll cover in a little bit as well. And uh, for the most part, well, <clears throat> the X-Factor annual, not to spoil anything, is uh, more or less steeped in the whole Atlantis attacks thing. Whereas this seems to be a little outside of that. It also seems to be a little outside of X-Men continuity in general. Yeah. So it's kind of a thing that just sort of happens and you shove it in where you shove it in. Uh, I, I mean, I think this makes sense to fit in where we're covering the X-Men uh, just because from here on out, things start happening to the X-Men. So this is really kind of the only place where they can all be together for this adventure to happen. But Solid. Yeah. Just like most uh, uh, annuals, they they seem to be kind of written at a different time and then... You know, just, as you said, shoved in there. Retroactively fitted. Yep. Yeah, so the cover of this, it's got a dude named uh, Mr. Jip. Uh, he's a big gray hulking dude in the background, and in the foreground you have the X-Men who are fighting the Serpent S Society. Serpent Society. So Mr. Jip is a cloak and dagger villain. I don't know if we've encountered him before. Not that I know of. Um, and then the Serpent Society. It's the Serpent Society. Yeah. They're... What can you say about them? I think they're classic Captain America villains. Maybe. Sure. It sounds good to me. They have a constantly changing lineup, which includes Diamondback, who's the only one that's really important to us in this issue. And I think um, this cover is by Vaz and Austin. So that would be somebody Vazberg? I guess it's well. So the 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 issue is written by Terry Austin, who I'm guessing is probably the artist there, and then it says the artist in this issue is Mike Vazberg. So I'm guessing the cover is Austin Vazberg and the book is just all Vazberg because it looks like uh well it doesn't say that there's an inker. Um just says Mike Vazberg is the artist. And Tom Vincent's the colorist, Ken Lopez is the letterer, Bob Harris is the editor, and Tom DeFalco is the editor-in-chief. And there you have a Chris Claremont-less staff of uh, folks. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, 
presumably when they say artist, that means that the artist write, uh, draws and inks. That would be my assumption, but... But I would say for the cover, the vase drew it and the Austin inked it. Because there are some recognizable Austin inking type deals here, but don't know. Yeah, I mean, I saw the covers. Well, Mr. Jip is solid. Everybody else is kind of cartoony. This is not a good cover. <laughs> no, it's not. This does not pass the t-shirt test. Well, you know, if I see this on the rack at Target, I'm like, oh boy, they're gonna take a bath on this one. Nobody wants this shirt. Yeah, it's it's not great. So, we get a little table of contents. We got double cross, as you mentioned. We got Wolverine smoking a, a stogie, leaning up against a, a missing wall. Jubilation Day, which we already covered. And some some Atlantis attacks backstory garbage, a la Evolutionary War. So before we begin, some of our I think some of our fans wrote in to tell us that Sally Pashkow was actually Chris Claremont, and he used a he used a fake name to write this title for unknown reasons. I guess it's a reference to something that I forgot about, but I looked it up, and it seemed like he uh, somewhere he did say that he was Sally. Pash cow, and she is uh, she never shows up again, so it makes sense. Hmm. Maybe it's a long lost love from high school. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so the issue opens up very interestingly with a full page spread of Wolverine in his bed. He's sleeping, so he is naked, as Wolverine does. He's probably in the sex room. <laughs> no, no, we learn who is in the sex room a little bit later. Oh, okay. <laughs> Can they have two sex rooms? Um, I guess. It seems like kind of a waste. Yeah. They need to, like, book a room. <laughs> like, uh, we had a 5 o'clock reservation for the sex room. Yeah, don't worry. Colossus will be cleaning up in between. <laughs> <laughs> so Dazzler comes in, and she's she's in a, a nightie, uh, like a see-through nightie and underwear, and she's like, hey, baby, you wanted me, and, and I want you. So... Let's get together. She just hops into his bed and just starts kissing him. And I brought my outfit with me for unknown reasons since I'm not wearing it. <laughs> I guess it's really just to identify to the reader that I am Dazzler. Yeah, we, we. I mean, I don't know that we need this because there's only one blonde on the team. Yeah. Um, although things are a little confusing until you get to the fourth or fifth page. Um, because another woman walks in with the rest of the X-Men and she's got red hair and she's like, I might have known. It's a good thing I decided to make a bed check and with Logan yet. And you're like, wait, what? Who? What's going on? Who's this lady? <laughs> and Wolverine even, Wolverine even says nothing happened, Allison, but it looks like Dazzler's laying on him, giving him kisses and stuff, but he looks like he's looking at this I don't want to say redhead because that makes it sound like it's Madeline Pryor. It's a, it's like a purpley red, pinkish color. I'm going with pink. It's a pink head. Okay, we'll go with that. Um, and, or strawberry, strawberry head. Sure. Ras raspberry head? Mm, too dark. Okay. She's like, who's to say wouldn't have lover uh, if we weren't so rudely interrupted? Besides, I might ask, where were you two? And she's looking at this pink-headed lady in long shot who are kind of coyly looking around like, oh, what, us? <laughs> we weren't doing anything in the sex room. <laughs> yeah, so. Mulberry head? 
It took me a while. I was like, I don't, I like, I own this issue. I'm like, I don't know what is happening. <laughs> well, when I first dipped into this, I was like, oh, I need to figure out where this is continuity wise. Because what happens, you assumed would happen somewhere else. I figured it was in the pages of Atlantis Attacks. Like there would, there are three, like this is part three of Atlantis Attacks. So I figured in part one of two, we'd be like, oh, I bet they show what, whatever happened happening. No. Or, or maybe just who this woman is, right? Did, did Dazzler dye her hair pink and then there's just this other blonde that just joined the team? We don't know. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. You don't know that if like this is a person who carries a Dazzler costume, but we don't actually know that it's Dazzler yet. Yeah, maybe she just got a thing for Dazzler. Like she brought her costume with her. We're going to play dress up, Logan. Aren't you excited? Uh, I guess. Meanwhile, down below the complex, Rogue's like, whoa, it's crazy night. Uh, Rogue says to Storm, she's like, oh, I don't like being the leader. We got this whole Diamondback Dazzler story thing. This is where we get we get some we get some revelations here as to what's going on. Thankfully, it's not it's it's oddly paced because it's not until the, the next page uh, that you get it, and then you do you do get like uh, a recording, I guess, um, of what has just transpired. But I guess, as you say, none of this actually transpired in Atlantis Attack. So this is just new information. It's weird that they, she specifies that it's an audio tape, and then they show a series of visuals to accompany it. Sure, if it was an audio tape, you should just see Rogue and Storm kind of looking at each other in different poses as the uh, narration goes by. And then they could look at each other in shock, in amazement. Just as easily, they could just say it's a tape. That's true. I mean, we've established that the the Outback base here has a supercomputer that's basically recording anything that needs the uh, that the plot needs. Yeah, past, present, or future. So they'd be like, let's punch it up on the on the Outback computer. But... Now it's, it's an audio tape. So we see that uh, Diamondback is a member of the Serpent Society. Um, There's a lot of backstory with the Serpent Society. The Serpent Society is currently uh, not led by its original leader, and Diamondback was an original member, but she joined. She rejoined the new Serpent Society on a trial basis. Uh, the new leader is Cobra. Oh, Cobra! Cobra! <laughs> yeah, and so she ends up getting captured by Mr. Jip. I should have known it was a trap. We got hit with a sudden burst of mystic energy, and then the curtain fell. Hard. And uh, he said he'd fetched other company for her in the meantime. He bragged about using his mystic powers. Um, he She turned uh, only to see herself and in the foreground and this will change i think in the foreground you see uh what looks to be a naked woman hanging from the ceiling but i don't think she's naked oh in my version she's oh i see what you're saying okay yeah i did i didn't even see her in that panel <laughs> i didn't either until i just read that caption I'm like oh look there's a silhouette of what looks like a naked woman in the foreground mm. she thinks but i think the dazzler uh busting to open her yap about now and that's when Dazzler starts telling her side of the story of where she was going to go into, uh, I don't know, Sydney to get some supplies. So Gateway so, teleported her. So this means that Storm, so so Diamondback and Dazzler show up and Storm is like, wait, 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 this is too confusing. Can you record this so I can replay this tape? 
over and over again until I understand your story. <laughs> Not only that, she doesn't believe the story. <laughs> so I, I get it. She could think that Diamondback is lying, but Dazzler's also there in Diamondback's. Well, so you've got Diamondback and Dazzler's body, Dazzler and Diamondback's body, and they're both telling the same story. So, like, why would you be like, oh, I think there might be something to this story. <laughs> she, she just doesn't believe it. She's like, got a. That's why she needed them to record it, and now she needs to listen to the tape over and over again. I'm not sure if I understand or believe this story. Dazzler and Diamondback, who I've never met before, might be making all of this up for some sort of weird attention. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, Dazzler uh, teleports through Gateway's portal, but she never makes it, uh, and then she she wakes up. Uh, and she's staring at herself. So now she's in Diamondback's body. And Dazzler explains that Mr. Jip devised this body switch to blackmail the X-Men into stopping the Serpent Guys and collecting some objects for him, uh, some four mystic objects that that the Serpents were hired to turn over to Guar and Lyra that was mentioned way back at the beginning of this episode. And Dazzler is not naked. She's wearing her skin-tight outfit. But when she leaves through the Dazzler or the Gateway Portal, uh, she's got a jacket and a cap on. So, I guess the teleportation. Maybe the jacket and the cap made it to Sydney. Maybe she took it off and is like, "Well, if you're gonna strap me up, it's pretty warm in here. I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna need to take off my jacket and my hat." And then to nitpick the the angle on that previous page, like it looks like they're side by side, whereas now they look like they're facing each other. I don't like Mike it. Vosberg is all over the place. <laughs> he doesn't know what's looking at what. I really would like a panel of Miss of Mister Jip being like, "I'll take your hat," and then putting it, her hat on. It's like a little winter seaman's hat. So he, I guess, returns them uh, to the X Men, and I guess the X Men have converted one of the ghost town's room into like a modern art museum. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's really nice. Like there's there's ceiling tiles, there's like a really huge bay window, and there's like a painting, there's a staircase and a bench. It just looks really nice when we've been led to believe that this ghost town is just like kind of a shambling ruins. They got nothing better to do. <laughs> Wolverine's like, well, you know, uh, I'm uh, I used to be an architect back uh, on Alpha Flight. These stairs really open up the room, don't you think? Colossus is like, finally, I get to uh, display my modern art collection. <laughs> and Colossus, well, so Diamondback starts telling the story. The X-Men don't believe her. Dazzler's right next to her, or what looks like Dazzler. So Colossus grabs uh, Diamondback, who's Dazzler, by the arms and kind of like restrains her while Psylocke um, links all of their minds and, and gets the story from their brains. And then Storm's like, that's not enough. I need to make a tape. <laughs> I just figured out how to get the audio tape working. Can we use this, guys? Well, we really don't need to. We got the whole story. Let's do the audio tape. <laughs> All right. So Rogue's like, what are we going to do? Are we going to do this thing that Mr. Jip wants us to? And then we cut to the X-Men all eating breakfast and Dazzler uh well, Diamondback in Dazzler's body is apparently eating all of the Choco sugar bombs. And Diamondback, Dazzler, who's in Diamondback's body, is like, stop it. <laughs> you just said I had really fat thighs earlier. 
It's bad enough having to watch you calmly spooning that oversweetened glop into my body without letting you add extra sugar. Yep. Not that my uh, really fat thigh seemed to bother a certain Mr. Logan last night. <laughs> Which This part of the story I'm not fond of. But anyway. Storm shows up and says, Get dressed, all of you. We're making another audio tape. <laughs> yeah. Wolverine's like, it's about flipping time. Too much talk, not enough action around here, if you ask me. A long shot at the uh, at the announcement that they are going to force Mr. Jip to restore Allison to her own body does a, yeah! He puts both arms up in the air, looks at the sky, and puts a big grin on. Colossus also is looking for a fist bump from somebody, but nobody's nobody's there to, you know, he's just left hanging. Uh, well, yeah, I think he's trying to get a fist bump from Rogue, and she's like, not again, sugar. She's just yawning. She's like, oh, here we go again. And Betsy's more or less indifferent. She's like, yeah, it seems like the right play. It's going to be boring. <laughs> so they wonder how they're going to find Mr. Jip. Uh, they reckon that uh, Gateway will just know because he always just knows. I guess because he's, since Diamondback knows where his headquarters is, Gateway should be able to send them there. I think it was established somewhere along the line that all they need to do is think about where they want to go and Gateway does the rest. So Gateway's got some psychic powers of some sort. Not sure why, but Logan is lighting up a cigar, or a cigar to go through the Gateway and uh, Diamondback, as we established in Dazzler's body, comes and takes a puff and Dazzler in Diamondback's body slaps it out of her hand. Ew! My insides were actually polluted by one of Wolverine's El Disgusto cigars. Diamondback, who's in Dazzler's body, is also like, too bad, Chunky. We could have been <laughs> great together. <laughs> chunky. And he's like, yeah, that's what they call me, Chunky. <laughs> I don't like this girl, but I kind of like this girl. The worst name, the worst nickname ever. You know, she's a She's a bad guy. She's she's doing the villain. She's calling him fat thighs, chunky. Yeah, but going straight from the villain handbook. She's totally into Wolverine, so I I get the 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 camaraderie or the whatever. But chunky, <laughs> bunky better, but still doesn't make any sense. You know, people have different uh, desires. Yeah, hot stuff, short stuff. <laughs> I don't know something. Junky. Junky. Junky monkey. So anyways, um, I guess Dazzler uh, in Diamondback's body is wearing Dazzler's outfit and vice versa. Uh, and Dazzler has kind of done up her hair more or less like Dazzler with the headband and everything. So off they go into Gateway's portal. And uh, oh no, chapter two happens and it's Dazzler in Diamondback's body and Wolverine. And Dazzler is not happy about this. Oh, we got chapters. That's great. That's a lot of fun. Remember when we used to get chapters? Those were fun. Yeah. And she, I feel like, I feel like she's overreacting here. Well, I mean, I don't know. I've never been transported into somebody else's body, so hard to say. Well, I feel like she should be very upset about that portion of it. But the fact that Diamondback in Dazzler's body was fawning all over Wolverine, she pins all of that blame on Wolverine. Well, she doesn't. She doesn't know what happened. She just walked into the not sex room, and uh, they were like getting it on. Was what she saw. Mm. Yeah, 
All right. I always felt like it was a little bit of an overreaction. But anyways, uh, she's like, well, I'm just, I'm going to go get this thing on my own. I don't want to be by you. You're gross. She is a little over the top here. Wolverine's a pretty useful guy to have around. She doesn't really need to go by herself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, agreed. That's telling him, Allison. I've got the same strange mental picture of the idol in my head, so I guess I don't need Mr. Macho's help to find the thing. Yep. Oh my gosh, dinosaurs. And so she follows the dinosaurs, then she's like, oh, something spooked him, it's that sound, and uh, we see a spaceship, That that's what roused them. A serpent saucer. Yeah. And it flies to a pit, an excavation site is what uh, Dazzler calls it. I guess um, it's a few hours later, so they dug up this pit. Yeah. No, I mean, between the time that she saw the ship and she reached the ship, she's been just like running, walking for a few hours. So she's kind of skulking around the ship when... Wonder where all the snake people are. When the asp uh, sees her and says, I want to talk to you. Um, there's there's Puff Adder and... Uh, oh, they introduce all... They, they all introduce themselves. <laughs> Asp is the lady. Puff Adder is the big guy. Oh, okay. The purple lady is Asp. The green other... I don't know who this guy... Oh, the guy lurking in the background is also Puff Adder. Okay. So he takes her... Well, she wants to use her powers, but she forgets that she doesn't have her Dazzler powers in this body. So she starts to run away, but then she gets zapped by Asp, and she gets zapped upside down. I like how the sound effect is zasp. I like how she's upside down. Everybody's sound effect should be their name plus a Z. <laughs> Zwolverine. Zdazzlers. So they say load her up in the ship and they tie her up. And she's thinking to herself like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And Wolverine. question her in four hours when the effect of my venom bolt wars out. <laughs> well, she's knocked out. She's unconscious. That's a, that's effective. I mean, she knows exactly how long it lasts. It's pretty cool. Yeah, she, she's not her first rodeo with this power. Venom bolt, <laughs> the venom bolt. So, she calls her hair magenta. But okay, I like that. Yeah, magenta head. Magenta hair, but my resemblance to their teammate sure seemed to confuse them. Wolverine strikes a match on the ropes that she's tied up with. Because Wolverine's there too. Yep. He just kind of like. Snuck on board. Hey, kiddo, got a light. <laughs> uh, but you're wondering how I got here. It was really simple with my animal instincts to slip past those bozos. But you don't want me to touch you and rescue you. Isn't that right? Apparently she has something in her mouth. But... No, I think she's. it's three and a half hours later, so I think she's still... Oh, she's still got the uh, venom bolt, so she's like... Yeah, she, she's conscious, but she can't move. She's all drooly. Yeah. So she goes, she makes that noise, and Wolverine's like, what? It's all is forgiven? Now everything's Pichikino? Well, all right, fine. I'll carry you out here, and then we'll get the relic. So she throws, or he throws her over her shoulder, smoking a cigarette, which I feel like would set off some alarms, or somebody would be able to smell it. Just seems like a poor time to be smoking. Yeah, Wolverine just doesn't know when not to smoke. Yeah. Hold it, somebody says. Uh, I guess it's the asp. Uh, and there's another dude called Boomslang. 
That's a great name. Boomslang. <laughs> and Boomslang, he's awesome because he throws little boomerang, little knife boomerangs. I kind of wish she, his name wasn't Boomslang. That was just something she says sometimes. Boomslang. <laughs> so he throws them out, and Wolverine's like, um, "I my bones are reinforced with adamantium. I've got two pieces of advice for you. One, get a real power, which I think is funny. Two, lose the stupid accent. Because he's Australian. Dream on, mate. Yeah. So Wolverine just kicks him in the gut and punches him in the face, and he's out. Asp tosses the puff adder, tosses the idol to the puff adder. Puff adder, you hold the idol. I'll hold the whip. <laughs> I'll dispatch this fool with my venom bolts. Zasp, zasp, zasp. Um, she is unable to hit Wolverine, but he dives into the forest and somehow sneaks around her and hits her from behind. That's Wolverine. Yeah, I guess it's, it seems kind of, I don't know. I would like, I would have liked to these for these panels to have been better. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure, not sure how you achieve that, but I feel like they're in an open space and he runs into a forest and then, like, what he he goes through the forest and comes out the other side of the forest. It seems like it would take a while. Yeah, he's the best at what he does, and what he does is slip around people. The big dude, which puff adder, puff adder. Yeah, he grabs Wolverine. Let's see if the little fellow with the metal bones can still make funny jokes with all his insides squeezed the jelly. There you go. Hey, boo boo. Apparently, it's 30 minutes has passed because the paralysis is passing, uh, and Dazzler goes to get the idol, and she turns her headband into a slingshot. Uh, she figures that Diamondback has abilities with expert marksmen, so maybe there'll be some muscle memory, and uh, she does one toss and throws the idol at uh, Puff Adder's face and knocks him out. And she and Wolverine's like, oh, you took a risk there. Well, she says in her, her, uh, okay, she says, you okay, Logan? And he says, yeah, you yeah. took quite the risk there. Okay. I was I was trying to figure out what that yeah was an answer to, mm. but I figured it out. I did it all by myself. Nice job there. So, he, and Wolverine's like, you might have broke that knickknack and then you'd never have been restored to your own body. Don't think I don't appreciate. And then he grabs the idol, which looks like Colossus's head, but like squinty. Mm-hmm. And uh, they immediately teleport somewhere else. Hey, I just touched this thing. What's happening? I think we're going traveling. And they pop out of existence. Chapter three is in Lima, Ohio, where progressively more X-Men are included. We got Havoc, Rogue, and Colossus. More or less the B story of this whole thing. And this whole thing is a B story. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Colossus makes many comments about how America's got too much stuff. A lot of it's not necessary. Every time they get transported into a new area, everybody immediately gets a distinct image of whatever it is they're searching for. It's basically uh, the X-Men have been divided up. They went through gate, 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 gateway, gateway, gateways, uh, portal. And they're all, they all got separated and they're all doing stuff. I'd say we're here to find one of the arcane items. Mr. Jip wanage says, Havoc, helpfully. Uh, and there's a path of destruction, which they reckon must have uh, been caused by the ship, so they decide to follow it. And it takes them to, uh, as Dazzler says, a shopping center. Why 
are they okay so they're in the middle of the road and there's a bunch of cars that are destroyed so i guess they're following the devastation yeah to where wherever the snake people are yeah is that the idea okay well somebody i think it's colossus war havoc says at least they left us a definite path to follow rogue says yes from their ship right over yanda I may have been very tired the first time I read this. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's empty. Obviously, the locals evacuated, so uh, there's nobody here. Don't have to worry about you know any sort of uh, uh, Batman, Superman violence. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's going to be fine. Well, nobody lives in Lima, Ohio, anyway. <laughs> so they go into the mall, they separate, and they're looking for... Uh, what is the object that they're looking for here? This time, um, they don't carved sit. American Indian totem. What? Okay. Oh, there it is. Okay. Suddenly, I have a distinct image of a tiny carved American Indian totem in my mind. Wolverine or Colossus, rather. He's walking through the clothing aisles, and he's like, Ugh, "People clothe themselves more for from vanity than from need." Which I'm like, I don't know. I feel like uh, Terry Austin doesn't really get Colossus. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's probably true of pretty much everybody. I mean, Colossus is a communist, no doubt about it. At least he was raised in communist Russia, but he's been in America for a little bit, and we've definitely seen him dressed up in some stylish clothes that were more for than just keeping him warm. He does have that um, kind of naivete of a foreigner, and I think that's what he's tapping into, but I don't know. Understood. Uh, so Anaconda jumps out. And he says, my anaconda don't want none unless you've got buns, hon. <laughs> no, he doesn't say that at all. Uh, but he does wrap his little anaconda arms around Colossus's neck. And uh, Col or she uh, says, no one's ever succeeded in breaking my grip. I'm going to crush your metal frame. And Colossus is like, oh, my God, you might be right. Huh. America is such a land of plenty. Havoc is walking through a food store when so oh. this is like an old school mall this is like a uh this is like a dawn of the dead mall yeah i feel like they're going for that vibe a little bit maybe or i guess it's just a shopping center so <laughs> i don't know i don't know what what we're where we're at we're at some sort of grocery store that also sells clothes it's kind of like a super walmart <laughs> and has escalators yeah. <laughs> yeah, like a super walmart it's got a clothing department housewares and a grocery section. Where are they? <laughs> uh, Havoc is walking around the food section. And he's he's talking about uh, listening to the Muzak, which is Vic Maze, Mizzy doing the Beatles' greatest hits. And I want to know, like, is Havoc like a Muzak aficionado? <laughs> Who isn't? <laughs> he's like, oh, Vic Mizzy doing yesterday. I, I don't know. It's like this is this is really pleasant. I have to assume that Vic Mizzy is a real musician. Otherwise, it's just a really random thing to to make up. I would I, I guarantee you if you Google Vic Miz, Mizzy, that Vic Mizzy is a real person who probably does soft remixes or pleasant remixes of popular songs. Why does Havoc know this though? But before the time of like trivia and the internet, he's got a. Uh... He's got a couple of his albums. <laughs> Vic yeah. Mizzy, who is dead, 
was an American composer for television and movies who best whose best known works are the themes to 1960 television sitcoms Green Acres and The Addams Family. Hmm. He also wrote top 20 songs from the 1930s to the 1940s. Oh, yeah. Now we know. Yeah. And Havoc knew before all of us. Yeah, I mean, Havoc listens to that old-timey music, and he's just uh, he's a big uh, Green Acres fan. So this woman comes out. she got snakes all up on her. She definitely looks like a Cobra villain. Um, her name is Black Mamba. Black Mamba. And I Wait, get... no. Is she Black Mamba or is this other person Black Mamba? Because there's, there's two people here. There's the one that tackles uh, Havoc, and then there's the one with the snakes. Oh, I, I thought the person attacking her was just a hallucination. Oh, you know what? You're right. It yeah. is. It, and, and it's coming from her. Okay, so yeah. she is Black Mamba. Yeah. All right, I get it. I get it. Again, I was sleepy when I read, first read this. I've been accused of skimming, Adam. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, Black Mamba, she's like, uh, she, she, she does this hallucination thing, and it turns into Lorna, who's like, oh, Alex, I love you. Kiss me. Doesn't look anything like Lorna, but whatever. Not really. Looks like a shadow. Rogue is falling or flying around housewares. And, Polaris uh, has one defining feature, green hair. This person does not have green hair. Uh, in the first panel, that little sub-panel, she's got uh, green hair. I guess. And I think the rest of it's just kind of the other images, it taking form. They should just color it green. This this black shadow should be green. Yeah. A full Bodied green shadow. So rogues flying around housewares and uh, Coach Whip. Coach Whip is her name. <laughs> she, she has whips. And... Oh, this is stupid. <laughs> yep. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just stupid. It's, it's, it's not good. <laughs> rogues flying around and Coach Whip comes out and starts whipping at Rogue. And Rogue starts falling, I guess. Well written. This could be fun and silly and just enjoyable, but I'm I just I just can't. I feel like this is not my speed. I can't I can't find a way into this. No, it's terrible. It's, it's <laughs> and not... I'm I'm usually okay with terrible as long as it's entertaining. No, this this is this is this is a tough read. This is a tough read. Um, the other guy, uh, um, uh, Anaconda. He's still choking Colossus. It's a lady. Anaconda's a lady. Oh, sorry. Yes. She's These are all ladies. Still choking uh, Colossus, but Colossus overcomes and uh, pulls her off of him and then punches her into the sale goods, undented goods that are further dented. <laughs> we kind of set up uh, three things where the X-Men are in danger, and then we get three things where they just get out of the danger. <laughs> In a very uninteresting way. Yeah, so Polaris continues to be kissing and pushing Havoc down to the ground. And he's like, why are you trying to do this? Uh, this is where she fully turns into Polaris. And she's like, because I hate you. You tried to kill me. Only wanting to escape the darkling grip. Havoc blindly unleashes bolts of plasma energy from his hands with unpredictable results, causing several containers of paint that are just happen to be nearby to spill all over. I don't think it's paint. I think it's canned goods. Oh, that's right. He's in a grocery store. I think it's like creamed corn. That's and, even worse. And peas. <laughs> and I don't know what the second row of cans are because they're blue. 
No, says Black Mamba. I'm allergic to peas. <laughs> well, she says, I have to be able to see in order to direct the dark force. But she's blinded by all of this food. Right. The, the sweet potatoes got in her eyes. It's like she went on to You Can't Do That television and said, I don't know. <laughs> Except that there's no slime. But I, mean, I guess the green stuff is the slime. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The reference, the only reference that could come to my mind quickly. Um, the illusion has faded, and so Havoc puts her uh, cream pea and sweet potato covered body into a 20 gallon barrel upside down. <laughs> I don't think that's very nice at all, but whatever. How did this knock her unconscious? <laughs> I don't know. I think between panels, Havoc roughed her up or something. <laughs> Like, for one panel, she's just like, ah, I have to be able to see. And the next panel, panel she's unconscious. In I a, have to be able to see to breathe. In a giant barrel upside down. Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez. So Coach Whip is whipping at Rogue, and Rogue's like, I'm Rogue. And so she grabs the whip and uh, smashes Coach Whip's face into a column. And then, humorously, uh, at an excav excavation site that they have only shown us just now, uh someone else is coming out of the is coming up with a ladder and says hey i got the thing and uh rogue's like give me the thing and the guy's like i'm going to give you the thing yes what do you do little man well i fling trick snake eggs that shoot out steel ribbons upon impact rogue with a big smile is like uh-huh and he's like okay here you go care to surrender the thingy Sure. That is a well-placed and uh, uh, paced joke. Yeah, it's it's funny. And it pays off well. The rest of this book does not. <laughs> <laughs> so they get the thingy, they catch it, and they get teleported to somewhere. Chapter 4 is in Iceland, and now you've got uh, Diamondback and Dazzler's Body, Psylocke, Storm, and uh, Longshot, and they uh, all get a picture of a rock, a plain old rock. And Longshot immediately starts picking up rocks and walks away from the others. And he has uh, word balloons saying, nope, nope, nope. In the background of his second nope, we see one of those Cobra ships flying around. Yep. And that lands nearby. And the the next squad of serpent warriors are, get out and, hey, this is crazy. How can we find one specific rock among the millions? Don't look now, Cottonmouth. But I think trouble just found us. Referring to the X-Men. Yep. Storm says we clean this area. These are our rocks. And these snake guys are like, attack! So we got we got Black Racer. I'd better KO Black Racer, says Diamondback, with one of my throwing diamonds. Oh, shoot. This body throws like a girl. Then unleash Dazzler's light powers, Diamondback. Which Diamondback does, and it works. Oh, yeah, it works. Psylocke does some mind stuff on somebody. Black Racer. Black Racer, okay. And she falls into a rock. And that's when Cottonmouth has a big mouth. He's going to go in and, I don't know, eat her? Bite her head off. This is a great panel. <laughs> yeah. He's got a big snake head, and he's just, like, leaning in. I don't know how she doesn't know he's there. You got to be able to smell that breath, because you know this guy eats rodents. Plus, she's a telepath. I mean, she should be able to, like, oh, wait, there's a mind very close to me. What? Almost behind me, I could say. But maybe these snake guys don't have 
mm. mines in the standard way that people do. I don't know. Storm fires a couple of lightning blasts at... Uh... Bushmaster and Rattler. I don't know how you know these names, but thank God you do. I'm reading them right as I just happen to be finding them as they become necessary. Oh, Storm knows their name. She's like, yeah, yeah. these lightning bolts will scatter Rattler and Bushmaster. But That's wait. exactly where I found it from. <laughs> Psylocke is being menaced by a foe. And... It can be easily disposed of. And it's kind of confusing because she turns around and zaps Cottonmouth. In the mouth. In the mouth. <laughs> and, uh, and then we cut over to Bushmaster, I guess, and he's fighting... Diamondback, and for some reason I had thought that he was no longer a problem, but that's just because I got confused because of the way things are going. Oh, yeah. So Cottonmouth, or not Cottonmouth, Bushmaster and Diamondback are fighting. Bushmaster Di is easily the coolest of these. He's he's basically a snake, uh, and he's got a single wolverine claw that comes out of his wrist. He's the inspiration for Globulus from the Cobra La. Uh, are you just making that up? No, that's a real thing. Really? Remember the remember the GI Joe movie? No, I remember Globulus, but is this guy really the inspiration for Globulus? Oh, no, I'm I am making that up. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but I mean he he's a snake. He's got a snake body. He might as well be. Yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, Bushmaster is wondering why Dazzler is wearing uh, Diamondback's outfit. I know my hairs and power are different, Bushmaster, but I am me. I mean, I am Diamondback. All right, then I'm through dodging. You kill me if you like. And uh, the tail guy, Rattler, what's his name? Rattler. Yeah. Rattler. He's going to use sonic vibrations to knock Storm out of the sky. Storm. But that doesn't work at all. <laughs> fires lightning at him and... and uh, Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Eventually, the uh, the diamond Diamondback convinces. Uh, oh God, I can't remember his name. Globulus, Bushmaster, Bushmaster to uh, to back off because she saved his life once, and he's like, "All right, fine, I'll back off. I'm going back to the ship, and now my debt is repaid." Traitor. Yes. And then that's when Nike, uh, Longshot shows up and says, "Hey, I found the rock." And uh, Rattler is like, what? That lucky swine. And he does use his tail for some sonic boomy stuff. And uh, the cliff that he's standing on falls apart. He gets buried in stone. Longshot turns to Archie for a second, or Jughead. <laughs> oh, starts doing a little jig up on the rocks. Whoa. <laughs> the rock goes falling down past Diamondback. Um, I think Storm picks it up. Longshot and Rattler are now buried under the avalanche, so they're dead. Wait, who is? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, Storm grabs the rock, uh, and she's like, Psylocke, scan for him. Diamondback, help us. And Diamondback says, all right, I'll help you, but first I'm going to pick up this rock. I guess it's her, okay. The rock does teleport them, and they're like, Diamondback, what did you do? I just picked up the rock. Which brings us to Chapter 5 in Mr. Gypslayer. Which is, they are all teleported there all at the same time, minus Longshot, who's dead. Somebody points out, I think it's Storm, she says, Longshot is trapped in an avalanche. We have to return for him immediately. And Dazzler in Diamondback's body says, oh, no, no. God, they do a lot of talking. Does Mr. Jip have like a Mickey Mouse tattoo on his right uh, forearm? Kind of looks like it. It looks like a Shoulder. mouse of some sort, yeah. 
That's, yeah. That's, I'm going to just imagine that's what that is. Yeah, so there's a lot of back and forth here about how uh, they need to help Mr. Jip, um, but they want to help. They want they want to help Longshot first, and Mr. Jip's like, nah. But I'm gonna snap my fingers and restore the bodies back to normal. So no fight for that. That just happened. And they make a comment about that. They're like, oh, uh, that was really. What was all the equipment earlier for? And he's like, eh, just for effect, <laughs> which is silly. <laughs> More like just for plot consumption, yep. <laughs> or plot convenience. Wolverine thinks this whole thing stinks, but then he looks at the artifacts, which start crackling with energy. Rapturous, isn't it? It's conceivable to me that short-sighted cretans like yourself would trade the glorious thrill, thrill of forbidden knowledge and power for one inconsequential human life. And Wolverine then threatens Mr. Jip, and Mr. Jip says... All right, since you're threatening me, I'll bring Longshot back. Here you go. Wolverine basically uh, guilts Mr. Jip into bringing Longshot back. I'm betting that somewhere in that diseased mass of flesh, there's a heart pumping blood. Well, no, he threatens him. Then he says, I aim to see it on this table. (laughs) I'm going to cut your heart out, dude. I don't think that's a a plea to his good-natured self. I suppose you're right. Could read it that way. I'll I'll let you get away with that. (laughs) He teleports Longshot in, like, Longshot, what happened? He's like, I fell into a big hole under the rocks. Lucky us ever, eh, kid, says uh, Havok. And then somebody says, what happened to Rattler? Oh, he's dead. (laughs) Mr. Jip says, I think we can release one another now. And this is where you see full, like, well, he's got like six arms and legs that I didn't see. He's got, he's got, well, yeah, I think they, I think that's his power. Oh, okay. Does stuff. So he's got arms coming out of his chest, coming out of his gut, coming out of his legs, coming out of his feet. He just grows arms as need be. And this is where, like, the most ridiculous villain shows up. Um, <laughs> Sidewinder, former le- leader of the Serpent Society. So Sidewinder is, as you said, former leader of the Serpent Society. And he turns out uh, to be the one that Diamondback is really working with. And so the Guar and Lyra originally came to Sidewinder and he was like, well, I can't do it, but I can have the other Serpent Society, the current Serpent Society do it. So he sends Diamondback to go join the other Serpent Society, which she does, but she's a double agent. And uh, then this whole adventure happens and then Sidewinder and Diamondback just disappear with all the artifacts. Boom. Yep. Bye, Daz. Says... Uh, Diamondback, and then the X-Men are like, get him! And they're gone. Uh, and Mr. Jip's like, well, that sucks. Uh, bye. <laughs> it sends the mutants away. And Mr. Jip moves some chess pieces around. One of them happens to be Dagger. Um, it was a Captain America one for some reason. And then he says, uh, alas, Storm may have reason to regret my failure as well. Hmm. What is his failure? Upcoming Avengers will detail Daggers and Storm's role in the saga of Set. I have to say, I've read the Avengers one, and it does not. <laughs> so, well, upcoming annuals. So maybe there's a Cloak and Dagger annual that... 
there isn't. Okay. But I think Dagger does show up in some of the. We find out in X Factor spoilers that uh, there are a bunch of brides to set. Oh yeah, and, that's right. And so I'm thinking that Storm and Dagger are as yet unrevealed brides to set. So they ship. They make it back to Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Wolverine. Gets an apology from Allison. I'm sorry I didn't take you at your word, Logan. I was pretty upset. Come on back to camp and I'll stake you to a root beer. Ooh. If that's what it takes to be pals again, I might even go that far. What? I don't know. <laughs> Is that a sentence that makes sense? Nope. Okay. I. It would make more sense if he said, well, I'd, I'd rather have a beer, but if it's going to be a root beer that makes us pals, I'm game. That That would have been a little bit better. Maybe that's what he meant. I think that's what he meant. Like, uh, but yeah, it comes out all weird. So the Cobra people are uh, in jail. I don't know where they are, but they're all like bruised and uh, crutched and casted. And yeah, I'm so relieved that Rattler is okay. <laughs> yeah, and they're like they're reading the the letter. And so, my former friends, I will send you your ten percent commission upon completion of the transaction. And they're like, 10%? Ooh, that Sidewinder, he's a real Sidewinder. Matt, 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 Matt. Um, and then we cut to Guar and Lyra, who are people that are doing stuff. <laughs> Evidently, they're on the island that Magneto raised. Well, that's right. They're taking up, they, they took residence in Magneto's island. Yeah. Island, Island M or something like that. Which was part of Atlantis. So Atlantis was sunk, Magneto rose it, and now these people have taken it because Magneto's not using it. Aren't there like holes that you can fall into that'll take you into magic land? Yep. Or limbo? Yep. They better be careful. And limbo's a mess right now, as we know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, whatever. Take these four objects of power, my Lemurian alchemists, and let the process begin. And the woman's storm shall come at her appointed time. But now, let the serpent crown be created, and the time of Set's domination of Earth be hastened. Hail, Set! Yep. That's that. That's that. Um, yep. bad issue it's not a good issue it's bad annual <laughs> i think i actually started this issue or episode off saying it wasn't bad but you changed your mind i uh, changed my mind upon re-rereading it it's not it's not good that'll happen sometimes <laughs> vic mizzy also did some outtake music for spider-man 2 and spider-man 3 with sam Ramai. who sam Ramai? isn't that how you pronounce it sam Raimi. Raimi. Raimi is well I thought you were making a joke. I'm just going to play it off as that you were play- said you were making a joke. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Oh my gosh, it's it's Sam Raimi. Everybody okay. knows that. I don't think everybody does. You don't. I don't. Everybody else does. <laughs> I for sure don't. All righty. Well, there you go. Let us know what you think of annuals and how stupid they are. <laughs> we're at www.xmenpodcast.com facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast twitter us at danger room go or email us danger room at xmenpodcast.com go out to itunes uh, subscribe to us leave us some feedback leave us some stars um, or call us at 501 get x-men that's 501 438 9636 
uh, go out to Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash Danger Room, and uh, you can listen to our complete coverage of the Powers of Ten House of X miniseries, where, spoilers, Magneto's Island actually plays a part. Sort Does of. it? Well, it's, it's featured. Okay. I mean, it's there. I guess so. It's in the story. Is it? They go there. Do they? Yeah. You were there, Adam. You read it with me. <laughs> I don't remember that. I remember Krakoa. <laughs> oh. Well, I just I guess I just assumed everything was Krakoa. No, there's no. I don't want to give too much away, Adam, because it shows what I know. It's exclusive contact content for our Patreons that it's so exclusive Adam's already forgotten most of it. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. My memory's shot these days. <laughs> All right. Well, our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld, and we've got one more um, annual to talk about. Well, two more, but two more? we're only going to cover a backup story of New Mutants. In fact, let's do that one first because it's really short. I'm not even going to look at the issue. Okay, that's fine. So New Mutants Annual Number 5, we'll cover this at a later date because it sort of takes place later in the New Mutants timeline which continuity-wise may make absolutely no sense uh, because by the time we get to this, the events of Atlanta's attack will be over. Um, but I don't know how timelines work. Anyway, there's a backup story, uh, which is kind of fun, where Boom Boom is sitting around in her bedroom on ship, and she wants, uh, she, she's, she's asking ship, aren't there any like real men that she can like hang out with? Don't you know any cute guys and Richter comes in and she's like, ugh, it's you. And, uh, all the new mutants are so boring and Richter's clearly got some sort of a crush on her, but she ushers him out of the room and she's like, uh, can I just meet one really cute guy for a change? And she falls asleep. And that's where it's, uh, remember that Warner brothers cartoon with Daffy duck where the artist is like drawing him. Yeah. And he, he's having, you know, it's, it's, a, it's like a classic, it's a classic, uh, Looney Tunes. Um, that happens to boom, boom. The, uh, everything turns black and white and she steps out of the panel and the artist starts drawing her and the artist is able to make her, uh, bombs either flick away or she's, he uses the eraser to erase stuff when he totals her room with one of her bombs. The episode in question was called duck amok. I was going to look that up beforehand, but I forgot. <laughs> yep. And it's played out very similarly with the erasers and the pencils and backgrounds being redrawn. Clearly an inspiration. Uh, I also thought that maybe possibly the cars video, was it the cars where, Oh, you mean the well, the uh, aha video? Aha, take me yeah, on. yeah, yeah, not cars. Aha, take me on video. I thought that's the vibe that they were going for initially because, you know, she kind of wakes up or whatever she does and it's all black and white pencil drawings. And I was like, ooh, this is kind of neat. And then they go into this kind of duck amuck thing uh, with that style, which was also fun. She is super Madonna-ized 80s. Mm-hmm. That's how uh, Boom Boom dresses, basically like Madonna. Uh, yeah, but like Madonna from 1982. <laughs> right, like early, early, early Madonna. Yeah. Madonna phase one. The artist is John Bogdanova, so got to imagine that that's who we're channeling as, as he's doing his drawing and erasing. The, the, she always refers to the artist as artist. Yeah. So sometimes she's yelling at him and she's like, artist? 
Maybe the writer who I didn't look up and I don't have it in front of me. The writer is Judith Bogdanova. Oh, okay. Well, then she she probably had a, an idea that her husband or brother or whatever relative was going to be drawing it. So just yeah. keep, keeping it generic. Um, but basically they go through the entire Marvel. Not, well, it's not the entire. They go through uh, many popular Marvel characters. Uh, and she, males. Males, right. And she finds problems with all of them including Spider-Man because he's married, Mr. Fantastic because he's married. The only person that gets kind of close is Wolverine. She's like, oh, okay, this guy's kind of cool. She she seems okay with Captain America, except that there, he's super square. She likes, she likes Daredevil a little bit, but he's too serious. In the Captain America vignette, they do like a little leave it to Beaver where she's totally okay cleaning the house and making meals and putting the boys off to school and stuff. But then she gets out of that van. She's like, "Ugh, gross, boring." It's really funny that uh, she in the Namor one, he's wearing a button that says "I Grok Spock." Uh, I didn't see that. It's funny. And then some of the villains: Doctor Doom, Doctor Octopus, Hulk, and then Logan, Punisher. And she just ends up. Uh, she she gets to wear a cool Punisher. Uh, oh, and, and I like in the Wolverine one. She's got. Wolverine claws, mm-hmm. and she's like doing her nails, just painting her Wolverine claws. Yep, that's fun. Yeah. Um, in the Punisher one, she's kind of got a Punisher outfit, and she kicks him in the butt and says, "That's it. This macho stuff turns me off." And uh, so the artist introduces her to the last possible. Uh, here is the cutest, smartest, most lovable guy in the entire Marvel universe. Definitely the cutest. Ta-da! It's Franklin Richards. And she's like, well, he is cute, but he's a little young. I don't know. But then she kneels down, kind of gives him like a or he gives her a kiss on the cheek. And he's like, oh, you know what? It might be worth the wait. It's good. I like this story. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't take place at any point in the continuity, but those are sometimes the best. Adam, it, it just doesn't need to. It's clever. It's cute. It's creative. Uh, in terms of annual backup stories, it is A-OK. It should all be like that. <laughs> uh, the rest of the issue is drawn. I don't know about the backup backup story, but the rest of it's all drawn by uh, Rob Liefeld in what I believe at least is, well, we don't know when exactly this was drawn, do we? No, we don't. Um, I know that it takes place like in a continuity situation. It takes place once Rob Liefeld is drawing the book, but I think, uh, as far as publishing goes, it, this was drawn before he was drawing the book. So maybe maybe they were this far ahead and he was already drawing his issues of New Mutants. And they said, hey, do you want to also do this annual? It'll take place after your first issue or something like that. So they did that. The, yeah, I was uh, taken aback because the last Rob Liefeld New Mutants I think we read was was not great. It was very sketchy. Uh, and so I was <clears throat> surprised. We, we, did, we, we saw him in X Factor and we saw one in Uncanny X-Men. Okay. All of those I think were, yeah, we, we saw him do the men issue. Yeah. And that was not good. No. Uh, on multiple levels. I don't care if it was a parody. I didn't find it funny. <laughs> um, but I was surprised. I was like, what, 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 has he been taking lessons? Because like he went from like kind of Rob Liefeld to this annual, like, being Rob Liefeld. I guess so, yeah. And I don't know I don't know if it's like he had 
not a great inker on the X-Men and he has like his inker for this new mutants annual. Honestly, I don't know who's the right inker for Rob Liefeld. I'm sure we will learn as we read more of these issues. Yeah. But, uh, I was like, well, I, I first opened it expecting kind of crappy annual art. And I was like, Hey, this looks like Rob Liefeld art. I was like, Holy crap. It is. It's not, it's good. It's Rob Liefeld. Let's, 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 let's draw the line. There's Rob Liefeld and then there's good. Let me, let me be clear. It's, <laughs> it's, it's very Rob Liefeld. Whether you think that's good or bad is 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 a different story. But but the way I view it is there's a lot of like splashy nice panels, and then there's some interesting layouts. But then I would say that there's some like really boring like six panel layouts that are super boring, uh, and then there are some really bad kind of like medium distant portraits. So Rob Liefeld is definitely best known for his dynamic kind of poses right and there are plenty of those and they i I would agree with you they all kind of look like they they all kind of score they do what they're supposed to do yes then there's some not so good panels and that's kind of like a rob liefeld book is like yeah you know 50 percent of like splashy awesome poses and then you gotta do this exposition stuff so here's some boring stuff that's not really well drawn yeah so, yeah, I get what you're saying. But uh, pinups in there talking about, like, former New Mutants members and other things. Page fillers, but, you know, they're, they're pretty good, pretty well drawn, in my opinion. Yeah, I like I like page fillers for annuals. When, there's, when it's an annual, I expect there to be page fillers. So, then that takes us to X-Factor number, X-Factor annual number four. Um, it's it's uh, the Beast and Jean Grey face the wrath of Atuma Makata. No, just a tuma. <laughs> a tuma, a tuma macata isn't. That? That's, I don't know. Isn't that like a, a tuma macata? No, a tuma matata. A tuma matata. I don't know. Yeah, it's stuck in my head. <laughs> I couldn't see his name without putting the macata behind it. The Jungle Book. That's what I was thinking. No, of. Yeah. no, the Lion King. Oh, the Lion King. Yep. Okay. Uh, a tuma is he's got rabbit ears. He yeah. Does. He's got a rabbit on his head. <laughs> I don't like a Tuma. I think he's got a dumb name. He's not just got like a rabbit on his. He's got a whole rabbit head as a as a as a helmet. So uh, yeah, he's Gene has been whisked away from something. Uh, Beast grabs a hold, and as Adam and I were talking, we don't exactly know where this takes place in continuity, because I, I think. Like, we just got done with the really bad gold story, um, and I believe their next adventure is going to be six issues in space, I think. I might yeah. be wrong about that. I think it's four issues in space, but yeah, I think that is their next thing. So, so somewhere, and Beast is like, oh, when I saw Jean get whisked away, I, I had to grab onto her, so here I am. It's worth noting here that the story and the pictures are by John Byrne, so even when the story's kind of falling apart, uh, you at least have good John Byrne art to look at. I I read half of this, and from what I from what I read, it was quite enjoyable. Yeah, it's 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 not bad. It's better than the X Men um, story. A uh, lot of a lot of panels of Beast climbing around on Gene. He's doing a lot of thinking here about like how they're going so fast, and he gets himself into a John and Yoko pose, which is kind of funny. They say see an upcoming issue of X Factor for figuring out when this happened, but I looked ahead and I couldn't find anything. So, as you say, put a pin in it. 
As they're screaming through the air, Beast is trying to use Gene's uh, unconscious telepathy telepathy uh, to, to wake her up. And so he finally mentally screams Gene, and then they fall out of the air. And uh, Set, is it Set or Guar? I think it's Guar. It's Guar. Yeah, Guar's pissed. He's like, oh, God, what's happened? I need her. She's my bride. Or the sixth bride. So the is, sixth bride. Does Guar work for Set? Yeah, Guar and Lyra are uh, essentially trying to resurrect Set, who is the god of snakes, I guess. I don't know. Um, and that's what Atlantis Attacks is essentially about. Um, it's also about Atlantis attacking, which uh, is what Guar and Lyra have. They form a they form an alliance with Atuma, and have Atlantis attack the Earth. And the what what Atuma doesn't realize is that they need a sacrifice, uh, and in order to bring Set back, they need to sacrifice an entire group of people, and so that's supposed to be Atlantis. Mm. So, yeah, Beast and Gene fall into the water. Gene, at the last moment, subconsciously does a telekinetic uh, buffer so that they don't splat. Um, Just like Princess Leia in The Last Jedi. Uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's exactly like that. This is what it reminded me of. Uh, less Mary Poppins, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, anyways, they uh, they escape. They get to the surface, uh, but that's when a Tuma, or... Yeah, Atuma shows up, and he's like, oh, my God, it's Phoenix. I love me some Phoenix because I had a bizarre adventure in Bizarre Adventures number 27. Which we covered back in episode... (laughs) And I believe, like, I vaguely remember that, uh, and I think I... It was Atuma, and I'm... I don't remember anything else about it, but I think I said... You know what I remember about it was that it was creepy. There were creepy vibes. It was one of those Chris Claremont creepy vibes things. Oh. Because it was was an overseas issue that didn't have the uh, comics code attached to it, so it didn't have to play it safe. Was it it like uncomfortable creepy or was it like rapey creepy? I I would say both. (laughs) (laughs) Because you can't really have rapey creepy without it being uncomfortable creepy in my book. Yeah, fair. Fair point. I don't really remember. All I remember is being like, yeah, I remember Atuma from the Atlantis attacks. Uh, so there it's all for a full circle, everybody. We made it. If, if you've been binging, here's where the reference fits in. Anyways, uh, he thinks that Jean is Phoenix and he's like, I will have her. And uh, Andromeda shows up. Andromeda, I guess, used to be a defender. So Beast and her kind of reacquaint looks like there's like some civil war going on between factions here there's the people of that are uh are following namor and then there's also the people oh. that are following atuma yeah, yeah. so it, atuma is the current king of atlantis namor is at this uh, currently thought to be dead but a lot of uh people still ally with namor he think they think he's the rightful king and think that Atuma needs to be brought down. So those are the two factions. So Andromeda's like, all right, Beast, we'll, we'll go do a thing. Meanwhile, though, Atuma, th- this is where it gets a little creepy, too. Like, Marvel Girl was in her Marvel Girl costume, and now she's wearing seashells. <laughs> so Atuma, or a chambermaid, I'm going to guess Atuma took all of her clothes off and then put this sh- seashell bikini on her. 
weird. Yeah, you know, comics, you try not to think about the <laughs> in-between things of that nature. Yeah. So she's in a, a, a bubble, and he's in the water, and he's just kind of staring at her. And uh, she's like, uh, oh, you, who's that guy? He comes in, and uh, he's like, oh, Phoenix. And she's like, God, I'm not Phoenix. And kind of blows him away. And so he uh, cracks a, a hole in the window to let the, the water flow in to drown her, I guess. I don't know, incapacitate her at least. Guar is not happy about this. And he sees uh, Andromeda and Beast swimming in. Uh, and they get there in the nick of time to see Atuma choking out Jean. Just in the proverbial nick. Which seems unnecessary because she's already underwater. And now he's just like choking her. And it, it's it's pretty brutal looking. Like, yeah. I don't like it. Like he's like, he's all in that neck. And she's kind of like reaching up with like clawing at his face in, in her bikini. It pulls no punches. Yeah. Beast attacks. Um, and then uh, Andromeda and Atuma fight. I think Andromeda is... Re- oh, uh, Andromeda is the daughter of Atuma. Apparently the first child of Atuma. And she's like, oh, I want the fight because the sacred thing. And, and he's like, you're not a boy. So Atuma already... Once he, he, he found out in a couple annuals ago in Atlantis Attacks, that Andromeda was his daughter. And immediately finding out, he was like, well, then I want to kill you. Yeah. So she's like, well, then I claim the right as a male child, Atuma, for have I not been treated as such? Was I not raised to hunt, fight, kill as an Atlantean boy would be? I don't know. I guess if you're following what's happening in Atlantis, maybe you know that to be true? I guess. I don't know anything about Andromeda. Yeah. I know that she was a member of the Defenders. She was one of the Defenders that died, I believe. And then she was brought back recently in the pages of Doctor Strange. And uh, they, those two events were so far apart that I can barely connect them. Yeah, they fight Atuma and Andromeda. Meanwhile, Beast is like, well, while they're fighting, we're off. Uh, and he brings Jean up to the surface. There's like these, um, I don't know, factory workers there. And they're like, hey, that's a different girl. So I guess this is where they got their underwater breathing apparatuses. I don't know how they connect, but it's weird. Uh, Wolf or uh, Beast gives Jean uh, mouth to mouth trying to resuscitate her because uh, she's out, lungs full of um, water. And that's when Guar shows up and he's like, look, I can save her, but you have to give her to me. And he says, <laughs> he says this for a long time. There's like a lot of dialogue here. And eventually he's like, look, you do nothing and she dies. At least if you give her to me and we marry her off, she lives. So what's it going to be? Finally, Beast is like, all right, fine. Takes him three pages to make this decision. Uh, but Guar takes Jean to somewhere and uh, uh, revives her. And uh, Atuma that's, took out that's a relief. Uh, Andromeda. And uh, yeah, Atuma's also super mad because Guar took Jean. Yeah, and, and Guar won't let Atuma... Uh, Guar steals Andromeda so that Atuma can't kill her. Yep. Guar! And he shouts, Guar! Now, uh, Atuma's already been thinking about through Atlantis attacks about how he's inevitably going to betray Guar because he doesn't like this whole situation. Um, and then I'm pretty sure Guar and, like, as, as I said earlier, Guar and Lyra are planning to kill off all the Atlanteans, so they're planning on betraying Atuma. Atuma Makata. 
<laughs> but uh, I didn't re- I didn't continue reading as far as Atlantis Attacks goes, and I know that Storm and uh, perhaps Dazzler show up in a few later issues, so I'll I'll drop those in at some future date oh. once I figure out where they go. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, as far as the three Atlantis Attack stories I read, uh, the New Mutants one included, which we'll cover later. This one was probably the better one. Just, again, it's John Byrne's story in art, uh, so fairly well-paced, uh, well-drawn. And I think it was the shortest of all of them, clocking it at 26 pages. I feel like the X-Men one was like 50, but I think it just felt long. What I read of this, is this was pretty straightforward. The New Mutants one was not straightforward at all. It is very confusing. Uh, I can't imagine that we're going to do a very in-depth cover of it, of it because I don't even know how to say, like, so much happens and nothing happens it's just it's just too much the backup story here is an inferno aftermath this one was fun yeah in which uh um elwood and uh what's the other one's name you know i've never actually seen jake and elwood jake jacob farber and elwood mcnulty i've never actually seen the blues brothers from start to finish i've never seen either of the two blue brothers movies i've never seen Never seen an. Is, uh, they come from SNL, right? Yeah. I've never seen an SNL sketch of the Blues Brothers. Oh, oh! I used to watch. Uh, oh, actually, you know what? I don't think I have either, to be honest. I used to watch like classic Saturday Night Live on Comedy Central, um, and they they used to chop it up into like thirty minute episodes. Just put the best in there. And I, I don't recall ever seeing a Blues Brothers sketch. Maybe maybe that's maybe that's not a thing. Yeah, maybe it wasn't a sketch. Maybe it was a wholly original <laughs> creation, kind of like Ghostbusters, where there was a Saturday Night Live alumni, but nothing to do. I have no idea. There's a whole bunch of people right now that like you guys say you like <laughs> movies, but have no idea about movies. I've never seen a Blues Brothers movie, so as far as I I have understood, uh, this is the only Blues Brothers movie. The other ones are bad, or other one. Uh, that's also what I've heard. So. From what I've seen, I have seen bits and pieces of the first one, and from what I've seen, I did not enjoy it. Really? Hmm. Well, I mean, it's it's a product of its time, I think, from yeah. from what I've seen of it as well. And I think you have to watch it with the eyes of that time if you can set aside modern conveniences. Which I can usually do. I just, I, I, have, I have difficulty with comedies with that. Because oh. if, if, if I don't find something... Funny, it's hard for me to put myself into the shoes of, oh, this was funny back in the 80s. Gotcha. So. Well, these two guys are Special Bureau of Investigation. They're from the FBI, and they're looking into what they're calling the Inferno Affair. And they basically interview a lot of people that we saw throughout the events of Inferno. So... I asked many times, like, what happened to this person? And it turns <laughs> out they're fine. They're all fine. Everybody lives. One guy's a dentist. is like, oh, the dental equipment took me over and tortured me. But now I'm fine. That guy was in Daredevil. Uh, there's a cop who's like, oh, the police car turned into a demon and started attacking him. And this other cop's like, yep, he's, he's the most trusted cop we have on the force. He's not crazy. I don't remember who that was. I don't either. But he sends them up to the 34th precinct because there's some people with some odd equipment. And it's, uh, uh, do they call it? The Paranor- 
paranormal probe team. They're they're also the M Squad. Are they? Yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't sure about this. Oh, they abs- definitely are. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Doctor Snodgrass is in there. Okay. Yeah, that that does ring a bell. The guy, like, there's a scientist guy with that uh, blonde hair that's streaked straight back. Oh, and she does say we woke up this morning in a normal elevator, so that makes sense. Yeah, so these are the people that, they, and they also talk about, like, we saw the Empire State Building grow super high. We got into an elevator, and we became the wallpaper, and then we woke up in a normal elevator, which was embarrassing. <laughs> and so the police thought that they were using their equipment, much like the Ghostbusters, to create these hallucinations. And uh, they're like, nah, they're fine. You can let them go. So they head down to the Daily Bugle, talk to Mr. Jameson, who's like, yeah, there's a bunch of crap happening last night, but all the pictures are blank. There's nothing on the pictures. So I'm going to have a story. It's weird that uh, he doesn't blame (laughs) Spider-Man. I think Spider-Man may have saved his life in this scenario. So they go to a columnist named Jacob, uh, Jacob Conover. And uh, I guess they trust his insights, and he's like, I don't know, something happened. But uh, I think we could write it off as a mass hallucination of some sort. So, But if you guys really want to get to the bottom of this, you guys should go talk to, uh, I don't know, X-Factor? The Avengers or X-Factor. So they talk to the Avengers, and of course Jarvis is like, oh, they're on a mission. They're, <laughs> they're helping out near the World Trade Center. And they find one Avenger, and it's... Um, Oh, what's his name? Gilgamesh. And he's apparently a brand new Avenger. He's like, I don't know what's happening. I'm just here to clean up. (laughs) They see Thor up in the sky and they're like, well, I don't know. Can't get to him. Let's call X Factor. Uh, And uh, Jacob Elwood here is like, uh, uh, he's like, you got to call me back in two hours, which is weird. (laughs) So ship sends Cyclops the message uh, and Cyclops like, well, we do. We should take care of this, I guess, before we deal with Madeline's funeral. And uh, so they, they talk about it, and I don't know. They, they basically come up, they concoct a scheme that that they should lie. I guess so, yeah. yeah. That's, what, that's what it seems like. It. So Scott calls them back and says, hey, there was a hallucinogenic drug that was released into the water supply. And we've got corroboration from Reed Richards. So it's kind of like that Snake Man thing that apparently is happening in Captain America number 344. Which I I, I read that issue, and uh, the president becomes a Snake Man. Wow. Which I believe, who who is this? Who is the president at this time? Is it 1988 or 89? 88. I guess it doesn't matter. Uh, well, it could be Ronald Reagan or it could be George Bush. It's Ronald Reagan. Okay. Ronald Reagan was a snake man. That's interesting because remember uh, Richard Nixon was the leader of the secret society. I know. Isn't that crazy? I feel like Marvel's got something against Republican presidents. <laughs> we'll have to keep our eyes open and see if wackiness happens to Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think Barack Obama is in an issue of Spider-Man. I know he's on the cover. I never. I don't know if he actually made mm. it. Why is B sitting on the table? Come on. <laughs> because <laughs> he's beast so anyways uh they they feed up a story to the daily bugle and the headline is demon knight caused by hypno ray 
And uh, some guy's reading this, and he's like, hallucinations. I tell you what, Mabel, I knew that Tupperware of hers weren't haunted. And then we see a demon-like arm say, a hallucination, eh? This I gotta read. Uh, and it's it's gotta be Crotus, right? I don't think... Well, I suppose it could be. I mean, th- this definitely... This takes place before Madeline's future, so it's in the past. So yeah, sure, it's Crotus. Or maybe it was the other Crotus. Because wasn't there... A, wasn't there also a Cletus? Does Crotus die during Madeline's funeral? No, but he is dead. We saw him die in the pages of Cloak and Dagger. Dagger kills him. Aww. <laughs> but this could happen before that, or this could be Cletus, who was the other one. I don't remember a Cletus, but... There was there was a, a Crotus-like being in the Avengers issues that we covered who essentially was Crotus, mm, but do, they I, called him Cletus for some reason. Uh, I do vaguely remember that. Like it was an error or something, but Adam, they stuck with it, so whatever. In my mind, this is Marvel just attempting to to uh, go back on the sins of killing Crotus. And bring him back to and life? They want our last sight of Crotus to be this and not him being killed. So Crotus lives! <laughs> so there you go. Uh, a decent story, a decent wrap-up to Inferno. Yeah, it's officially over now. Yep. We probably could have covered that way back when, but we didn't. Yeah, it's okay. Just like comics, sometimes you, you get things later, and then you, it's yeah. up to you to fit them into the right place. Yeah, I mean, technically we could have done that uh, New Mutants annual as well, and that would have been confusing because they talk about a lot of stuff that's about to happen to the New Mutants, but whatever. Uh, the last but not least, we have the latest ep- edition of Marvel Comics Presents, number 29, um, where we last left off. Havoc was being attacked by the female tracker who I predicted was Leela O'Toole, and he is trying to rescue the latest woman that he has fallen in love with. Um, he has run out of, Havoc has run out of energy, so he essentially runs away. And then as he's running away, he realizes, oh, wait, I forgot about Leela. But at that point, he's falling down a super dark hole and he lands somewhere. And then we cut to Wolverine, who has been tracking his scent uh, from Cairo. And it wasn't easy in a city that big. And then he finds him. Havoc's alive. He's at the bottom of a lake. Well, uh, uh, a pool, I suppose. And... uh Wolverine rescues him, gives him water, uh, and then gets attacked. There's a kind of funny scene where Wolverine thinks everybody's coming after him, and he's like, you found me, sand rats, now let's do it. And they ride right past him, and they go pick up Havoc, and then they ride off, and he's like, wait, you'd better put the kid down now. And I don't know why, but they turn around and fight Wolverine. I mean, they got what they came for. They should have just left, but they don't. Um, So Wolverine fights them, and of course... He finishes them all. Uh, Havoc wakes up in the middle of it and blasts some more guys. And uh, they blow up their machines. And at the end, Wolverine says, Welcome back to the land of living, kid. What's next? Their new queen, Plasma, wants me so badly. Well, she's going to get more than she can handle. I'm going back. I'm getting Lila O'Toole out of there. To which I say, Havoc, Lila O'Toole is obviously Plasma. Come on. Come on. (laughs) Well, we've established from the Havoc Wolverine Meltdown series that he's pretty dense. <laughs> yes. 
So I think that one's only got a couple more episodes. And and he likes the ladies. He has a he has a tragic affection for some ladies. It's true. Oh well. Uh so there you go. That's uh that's it for this time. For this go around. This episode was brought to you by Vic Mizzy. Yeah. Hey Adam, play a little Vic Missy. Uh Green Acres is the place <laughs> to be. Perfect. The Adam's family. Yeah, that's a little mashup you just did there. <laughs> Alright, folks. Until next time, my name's Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the danger room is closed.